am looking at church and I want a place to belong. I want a place to have me personally, to have hope. And if I'm honest, pastor, I'm just going through the motions of my faith at this point. And we have this disconnect where on one side, we have people saying, we together will overcome the world with God. We together will overcome the world with God. And on the other hand, we have this disconnect on the other side where people are hearing that and they're saying, no, it's not we together will overcome the world with God. It is I alone will just try and survive today. And so I thought that this would be a timely um, Sunday for us to look at the book of James. If you want to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, we're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 2, all the way to verse 18. And James talks about having joy amidst trials, being lost in your trials, and how we can address that. James chapter 1, verse 2, and we're going to make some certain points that I think the Lord has to help us here this morning. James chapter 2, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 through uh, 18. James writes this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. Uh, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and, when, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and morning, acknowledging that every good and perfect gift, whether we see it as a gift or not, comes from you. And you are the one thing in our life that doesn't change like a shadow. Uh, it is difficult, Lord, to see the trials and being lost in them as a joy. But I pray that uh, we would this morning. I pray that we would see it as a joy because you are with us through the trial. We would see it as a joy because we know that you are working through our trials. And we would see it as a joy because we know that you will see us through this trial. And so we pray uh, that you renew, renew our minds to your truth this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have a seat. Thank you. Lost in our various trials and having joy in them. That's what we're going to look at. I want to uh, just make some comments on about uh, six uh, things that James is saying to us. And as we go through this, you want to be asking yourself, as we go through each one of these six points, is this me? And how does the Lord want me to apply this amidst myself being lost in these trials? Or, if you're not in this place and life is just going great, how can I best use this to minister to others going through trials? So let's look at this briefly. Um, James says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers. Let's stop there. 
This is the first point. He says, my brothers. James is speaking to the 12 tribes of the, uh, the diaspora. This is the scattered church. He's primarily speaking to Jewish Christians. And he's saying, brothers, you're going through various trials. Count it a joy. Brothers, church. The first point is that when we go through various trials, we need to go through it with other brothers. We need to go through it with the church. We need to be in fellowship with God's people. That's why James is writing to the, to the dispersed church, but he's calling them brothers. He's not writing to an individual. He's writing to entire churches. And the assumption here is that when they're going through these trials, when they're lost, they're going through it with other believers. Community, that the community you're part of shapes who you are. The community that you're part of shapes the person that you are. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13 says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harms, suffers harm. If you want to be wise, you walk with the wise. If you want to be a fool, you walk with a fool. I was talking with someone recently who's really been struggling with their faith. And they were saying, you know, I kind of move from place to place to place. And um, I'm just trying to, to kind of hold on to where I'm at in life. And I could have said a lot of things to this person at this point. Uh, but one, one of the main things I wanted to leave them with is I said to them, okay, I'm with you. But um, as we look out at where you're headed in life, okay, as we look out there, what my concern for you, I said, is that the community of people that you're choosing to be in community with, as opposed to God's people, you have to be reminded it's going to shape you in the ways of the world. We know this. You know this. I know this. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. The community that you're a part of is going to shape your character. When James says brothers, he's talking about a body of Christ that is sacred. He's not talking about a fellowship of brothers that are simply a group of friends. He's not talking about a fellowship that uh, people who kind of just come in and out and treat the church as if they're a spiritual tourist. He's not talking about people who come into the church and say, I just want to hear an inspiring talk to help me deal with my life and I'm out of here. He's talking about a church where people actually see themselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of you have siblings, brothers and sisters. Uh, whether, whatever relationship you have, it's a real relationship if you know what's going on in each other's lives. It's a real relationship if you can celebrate with those who celebrate, mourn with those who mourn. And when he says brothers, he's, really, he's not saying church attenders. He's saying those who have a relationship with one another... Not just a relationship with Jesus, but a, a horizontal relationship with one another that they can call each other brothers or sisters in Christ. The church is the place where we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It's the place where we can come together and grow in love and encourage each other in good deeds. Um, I was talking with the small group leaders this week, or last week, 
And I was saying to them, um, it would be a really good idea if everyone in the small group just kind of thought Christ, especially during these uncertain times. James says he's writing to the brothers. It is the responsibility of the church to welcome people. Um, and it is the responsibility of the, of the individual to be in community with the church. The church is a sacred gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so this is what we want to do. Is we want to deal with our trials, whether we're lost, and we want to involve the body of Christ in them. That's step one for today. Number two, and James, <coughs> James goes on to say in verse, excuse me, sorry, <coughs> in, in verses two through four, he talks about um, testing, about perseverance. He says, whenever you face various kinds of trials, verse two, verse three, and your faith is tested, it produces steadfastness or perseverance. Verse 4, and perseverance has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That uh, phrase, perfect and complete, comes from a Greek word that meant mature. That the road to Christian maturity goes through trials and perseverance. The road to Christian maturity is not just understanding the Bible, praying, sharing your faith, being generous with what you have, the road to Christian maturity always involves perseverance in our trials. And for a long time, I didn't understand kind of the really the depth of what James was saying here. When he, you go back to verse 2 and he says, he says, count it all joy when you face various trials. And he's encouraging the church to be steadfast and persevere through those trials we often look at that and we say, what is James talking about? Why would I count it joyful when I'm going through trials? Nobody looks at trials and say, oh, I'm so glad I got that diagnosis from the doctor. I'm so glad that I got into that car accident. I'm just so joyful how I lost my job or someone stole from me or someone backed. What a joyful thing, right? Um, and, and so we kind of dismiss James as saying, oh, you know what? You don't get it, James. You're, you're, of course, you're the apostle, one of the apostles, so you could have this joy. We're normal Christians. We'll never get to that place. And I think what James is really saying here, when he says, count it all joys when you meet various kinds of trials, is not necessarily be super happy when bad things happen to you or what you think is bad things. But be joyful in knowing that when these things happen to you, the Lord is with you. Be joyful in knowing that when these things happen to you, the Lord is at work through the trial. Be joyful that when these things happen, the Lord will find a way to rebuild your life from amidst the trial and on the other end of it. I mean, David Yee was just up here <clears throat> a moment ago, and that, that is a sign of Christian maturity. Uh, he was devastated for a couple of weeks when he lost his job. It came out of nowhere. I actually called David 
the day of or the day after or so when I fa- he found out and said, hey, how you doing? We talked on the phone for a few minutes. I prayed for him. And uh, he was kind of just in that moment, right? And I could tell when we were talking on the phone. But then um, as I've talked to him recently and he's saying, you know, the Lord is at work here. We went out to lunch last week after service and uh, he's revealing certain things to me. And that's a sign of Christian maturity that he probably is not looking at saying, oh, I'm so glad I lost my job in the moment. But what he has joy in is knowing, you know what? No, the Lord is revealing something to me through this. And if I don't allow myself to become bitter about it, the Lord's going to do something here. And one thing, last things I said to David on the phone when we talked right after he lost his job, and I said, I said, David, my prayer for you is that you will look back on this trial and testing that you're facing right now. You will look back on this six months from now, a year from now, and you will be able to say, that's what the Lord was doing. The Lord brought something good out of the rubble of my life. The Lord makes all things work together for the good for those who love him. And if you don't allow yourself to become bitter and say, I am joyful, not maybe for the actual event, but I'm joyful that I know my God will not leave me. My God is at work and my God will see me through this and my God is going to make things right and better in the end then that's how you can have joy. And that is what keeps you persevering. Is when we have joy knowing that the Lord is at work through that. (coughs) Number three. Um, If you go on into this passage in verse five through eight, the Apostle James talks about the importance of wisdom. The importance of wisdom and seeking wisdom amidst being lost amidst your trials. And the importance of wisdom in terms of it leading you towards joy. In verse 5 through 8, he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. God wants to give this wisdom to you generously, and he will give it to you. But when you ask, don't doubt that God will give it to you, because the one who doubts is like a man who's tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves and the sea. Uh, That person God won't give wisdom to, because they're double-minded and unstable in all their ways. I think there's truth to that. I think there's truth that when we are lacking in wisdom, you know, so part of, part of what makes us distressed in the midst of our trials is we just don't know the direction to go. And when you have the wisdom of God saying, you know what, this has happened or I'm in this, but at least I know the right direction to go. And I know if I keep to this direction, I'm going to be okay. That you gain strength from that. God wants to give you his wisdom amidst your trial and being lost. James assumes that if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. But he also assumes that the burden of responsibility is upon us to ask and to seek that out. The burden of responsibility is not God on whether... He has enough wisdom for us. The burden of responsibility is upon us. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to seek God? And perhaps most importantly, are we going to follow through on the wisdom that he does give to us? Otherwise, we can't expect it from God. We're like here, we're here or there. I mean, I've talked to so many people, you guys, over so many years where it's just so painfully obvious what's going on in their life. 
And again, like either new life is complex, we get that, but and we give wisdom to them. Many people give wisdom to them. The scriptures give wisdom to them. We lift these things up in prayer. We talk to them, we counsel, we talk about the same things year after year after year. And it's so painfully obvious what the wise way to go is. And they, they, I've talked to so many scores of people that are like, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I know I need to do that. I need to. And, and they just kind of, in the next moment, it's like the moment never happened. And they just keep going. And I see their lives just continuing to descend downwards or just stuck in this perpetual mode of not going anywhere. And so following through on that is is... It's very important. So wisdom, what are we talking about here? For some of us here this morning, the most important thing we can do amidst being lost in our trial is to say, is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to pray and ask you for wisdom. I'm going to trust that you're going to give to me. The most important thing we can do is go to the scriptures and say, Lord, what wisdom do you have for me there? We go to the Lord through prayer. We go to the Lord through the scriptures. We're going to be having this half-day church retreat, February 12th on the Saturday. It's going to be, uh, at this point, in Pasadena. It's going to be in the huge garden area. I want to encourage you to come to that. If you're at a place where you're lost, seeking the Lord, needing his wisdom, during a trial, testing, temptation, come to that. We're going to read a Bible. We'll have some devotion. Some of it will be guided prayer. Uh, That's a perfect time to seek out the Lord in wisdom if you're going through that season. A second way to look for wisdom is to ask other believers, to ask other believers. I'm lost amidst my trial. I need wisdom. What do you think? What do you think, other believer, my brother? Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verse 14, he said that I am confident, Roman church, I'm confident that you believers are full of goodness and full of knowledge that you, believers, will be able to instruct one another. What Paul was saying there was that you as a believer who have the spirit of truth in them, who have the word of God, are competent to instruct other believers in the wisdom of God. Get around other believers that you believe are wise. Now, not every believer is wise. Some are fools. And you have to make a discernment call and say, you know, who in my life is a believer? Um, and this is not some YouTube person, okay, who may be a great preacher, but has no idea what your name is, okay? Who in my actual sphere of face-to-face, real-life relationships do I have where I can actually go to, call, text, meet up with, have a conversation with, and I say, you know what? I, I see you as a wise believer, not perfect, but you have wisdom. I want you to. A- I want to ask your opinion on this, and uh, I want to get some wisdom from you. Attach your life to other believers that you see as wise, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Uh, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs thirteen again. And lastly, for wisdom, um, you have to follow through on the wisdom that God gives to you. You have to follow through on it. It's not enough to be in this time of COVID where we're all stuck at home or whatever, or at least working from home or spending 
an inordinate amount of time on our screens looking at whatever that is uh, to just gather information. There's got to be an action point to what the, the Lord is saying to you. And you move forward with the body of Christ at your side. Um, find people that you can respond to in wisdom. Find people that you can respect. See, sometimes you can go to other believers and seek wisdom out. And um, they might be saying the right thing to you, but you just tune them out. And there comes a point in, in a relationship with other believers where we can kind of say that that person has wisdom, but we don't respond to them for whatever reason. Maybe we don't like the way they look or the way they dress or the way they talk or whatever it is, some, some kind of thing. And if that's the case, find another believer that you can respond to, not just that has wisdom, but you're actually willing to follow. Number four, as we go on in our passage, in verse 9 through 11, James talks about here, um, there are lowly brothers who should boast in their exaltation in Christ. Those who are poor, those who are outcasts as Christians, should be lifted up because they know the Lord and the Lord is with them in their trial. Verse 10, and then there are these rich believers that James is writing to, and he says, you should um, see your own humiliation. Why? Is because... He goes on to say in verse 11, sun rises, it heat, it, the heat comes, the grass, the flowers, they fail, their beauty perishes, so the rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Point being what? James is saying here in verse 9 and 10 and 11 that wherever you're at, whether you're in a difficult place facing trials, you're a poor believer, uh, that is only for a period of time. The Lord will exalt you. He is saying, if you're a rich believer and you got your life's going great, don't place your trust in that because just like the sun withers, the grass and the, and the flowers, it's all going to pass away. It's all going to disappear. And he says, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. What is James saying to us here and why is it important for us being lost amidst our trials. Why is this an encouragement to us? It's an encouragement to us because um, what the Lord wants to remind you about is that your time is short. There should be an urgency to your life right now. I was just talking with two people um, uh, on Friday. I, on Friday, I spent like five hours on Zoom talking to two people. One person was uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with, just down the street from the house I grew up with. I hadn't talked to him in like 35 years, okay? And he contacted me because his father just passed away. And he wants me to do the, the funeral. So, of course, I'm going to say yes. So I talked with him and his sister for about an hour and a half, uh, two hours, actually. And he actually was asking me a lot of questions about the Christian faith at the end of the call. And one of the things I said to him, uh, his name's David, and I said, David, um, you and I are at a place in life where we see so many of our peers, they get cancer, they have strokes, heart attacks, and we're not like super old or anything. That used to be our parents, right? Older people, we'd see older people. And now we're seeing, and I said, you know, and I was trying to, give him a sense of urgency of why he needs to give his life to the Lord. I said, you, you have no promise of tomorrow. You're here 
You're gone. You're going to fade away. I was talking with another person, um, and I was trying uh, to uh, encourage them. It was a relative of Mike's. And I was trying to encourage this relative to, to get this project done, to, to move forward on something that the Lord wants him to do. And I felt that he, you know, he was waiting for a long time. And I said to Mike's relative, you know, um, you have no guarantee to be here. And if you're not here, I know many people have died of COVID. And it's not to scare anyone. but And then your project just goes away. And you never know if the Lord wants you to just get it out there. And I, and I told his relative, I said, you know what? I, I hear you. I know that you have this big project you want to do and you want it to be perfect. But here's the thing is I'm listening to you and I feel like I'm talking to someone who's living in like 1995. Because in the world in like 1995 was a very different world. Maybe there's a little bit less urgency than we have today. Maybe there's a little bit more of an aspect of Christendom than we have today. And I said, the people who um, live in 2022 don't look at it this way. They really sense the urgency of how the world is falling apart. And we need you to move forward on what you're waiting on. And so James says that there should be a sense of urgency, that we are sojourners, we are exiles. There is a great temptation in your life to say this. I can put the things of God to the side and I can put involvement in the community of God to the side. When my work, when my school, when my social life gets too busy, there's a great temptation that the enemy wants to put in your mind that church And the community of believers, the brothers, verse 2, are the last priority only to be involved in when every other area of your life is going well. And the reality of what James and the Lord wants to remind us of right now is that all of life is a trial. And all of life should be faced with going through it with the body of Christ. All of life needs to be um, seen through the scope that the poor man, your trial right now, the Lord will exalt you in his good timing. And the rich man needs to be reminded that what you're working so hard to accomplish outside of the Lord is going to vanish. Nobody is even going to know your name like 60 years from now. We'll all be gone. And yet, so invest your life in the things that will last. And the Lord and his people are the things that will last. Number five, James goes on to say in verse 12 through 15, um, if you're steadfast under trial, you will receive the crown of life. Verse 12, verse 13. But when you're tempted... Tempted to disbelieve God. Tempted to um, walk away from God. When you're tempted, verse 13, don't say that God is tempting you. God cannot be tempted by evil, but he himself tempts no one. And he himself tempts no one. Verse 14, 
But each person is tempted when they're lured and enticed by their own desire. Desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown gives brings forth death. Number five, um, we have to take responsibility for our own evil. Okay, this is very, very important. We have to take responsibility for our own evil. It's not from God. It's from us. When you're going through a trial and a temptation, when you're lost, and we are like, I don't have joy, Pastor. It's difficult. It's so easy to say, this is unfair, God. Aren't you paying attention to what's happening in the story? Don't you see what's happening down here? Right? It's so easy to say that. And it's so easy to look at other believers. And I, I heard someone say this last week to me. They said, you know what? It's just like these believers are dragging me down. Uh, you know what? I, I just, I've tried, but like, it, it's not my thing. So I'm just going to kind of go seek community somewhere else out in the world. Maybe I'll find a church. Maybe I won't. And you know what? Maybe there's some place for like being at the right church and maybe not this church is the right church for everyone. We get that. But that said, uh, what I didn't hear in that language was any personal responsibility to say, you know what? This is, this is my own doing for what's happening in my life. Um, John the Baptist, when he ministered in the desert, he said, show the fruit of your repentance. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 7, he said, you know what? I'm really happy for you, Corinthian church, because when I wrote to you the first time, uh, you know, you're just, you're just all over the place in rebellion towards God and towards each other. And now I see your repentance real. It's real because it's produced a godly sense of grief, a godly sense of repentance, a, a, a desire to clear your name, to have the zeal of the, for the things of the Lord. And Paul was proud of them because they took responsibility for their own evil. They didn't blame God. They didn't blame the body of Christ. They said, um, this is coming from myself and I need to deal with this. On the car ride over, you know, today, I told Lorraine I was going to mention this. Lorraine and I had this tense moment. Now, I know that none of you married couples go through this. So just learn from our marriage, okay? All right. So uh, we were driving in the car, and uh, she was like, you know, um, the car door was left open last night. And I just knew where this conversation was going, right? And then uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. She, you know, because, you know, it's happened, you know, Sometimes you leave the car door unlocked, and so I go, yes, yes, okay, so I, I, you know, I don't normally leave the car window open, um, and then I was just trying to diffuse the whole conversation, but then, you know, it gets tense, and, um, and I was thinking, she's thinking, this guy does this kind of thing, he's an absence-minded professor, right, he, he forgets things, he just does this stuff all the time, this is one of a series of examples of the same thing, I get to keep reminding him, and I'm thinking, do we have to go through this again, right, I, I know, totally know this, and like, and so we kind of have this annoyance with each other, right? The kids know this, so they're totally quiet in the back, right? Um, and, and so she was like, oh, and by the way, the battery needs to be changed in the car. I was like, you know what? I don't think it does. I think it's going to be okay. Uh, I don't want to spend $120 on a battery right now if we don't have to. And then so she's like, well, I'll take it to the garage. And I'm like, well, okay, well, why don't you take it to the garage then? That's fine, and I'll go do my thing. And so I was, you know, I just kind of stopped talking for a couple minutes. And um, 
And I just felt the cure this service. Now I said, and I just turned to her and I said, you know what, uh, tomorrow I'm gonna, I will take the car to uh, go get the battery checked. And if it needs to be replaced, I'll replace it. That's all I said, okay? And I took responsibility for that. And I didn't wait for her to say, you know what, I should think more highly of you, which I know she's thinking about that, right? Uh, the other day, taking responsibility for our own evil and our trials, like uh, the kids were on my phone, and they said, hey, Daddy, what about this song and that song? Is that a good song? And I, I looked at that, and I was like, no, that's not a good song. But I was, I was like, it's research, okay? It's research. Um, and it, and I, I told them why, and, and, and as I thought about it, I go, you know what? That kind of song is not the best example for my kids. Um, and so I actually went through... Um, my playlist, and I started deleting all these songs from it. Repentance, taking responsibility for ourselves, and not just saying you shouldn't be on my phone, right? Um, <laughs> which you shouldn't. Uh, but lastly on this, and I'll get to my last point. On this point, it's very, very important. When James is saying in these verses, um, God's not tempting you. Take responsibility for your own evil. This is good. This is good. God is saying this to us because he is saying, when you do that, it is the better way. You're choosing the way of the Lord. The Lord wants us to turn and repent from even these mundane or everyday things, music or a a disagreement in the car, and to take responsibility for it. That's men or women. Right? It's both of us. And you know what the Lord does is that when we find it difficult to apply verses 9 through 11, specifically, um, I'm sorry, verses 12 through 15, when we find it difficult to take responsibility for our own evil, sometimes what the Lord does is he just takes stuff away from us. He does a rug pull. And, he, and we know, because we're like, you know, he's been patient with me for a long time. And I've, I've said certain things to follow through on that, but I haven't. And, um, and I've even asked for forgiveness, and, you know, I think he's given it to me. But sometimes the Lord just rug pulls us. Um, the other day I was on a Zoom call as well. Or sometimes he just exposes us. And we need the pain of that exposure, right? Uh, I was on a Zoom call with someone from the church this week. And um, I forgot I was on the Zoom call. And um, I, we, I was like, he was, he was muted, but I was not. And so I was doing other work, and, and we were going to come back in a few minutes. And Lorraine came into the room and said, hey, you know what? You know, you did this or you did that. And then I started getting to an argument with her. Okay? And I was like, well, but, you know, you have to understand, this is where I was coming from. But then, you know, it was kind of like we both had points, but then she made one point that was totally right about my character. And I was like, you know what, I apologize. You know, that, that, the other stuff, I, I see that, but at this point especially, you're right. And I forgot that this person was listening to the whole conversation. And then I went back, I was like, oh, no way. And then they had logged off, right? <laughs> and then I, we restarted the Zoom. And I was like, hey, uh, did you hear that? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, yeah, just sorry. Uh, but he's like, he's like, no problem and stuff. But it was really embarrassing, right? 
totally exposed in front of someone else on a Zoom call. But you know what? That reinforced to me that sometimes the Lord has to expose it publicly for it to hurt for my need for repentance. Okay? And that can be a good thing, even though it was embarrassing. All right. All right. Lastly, for today, um, verse 16 through 18. He closes by saying, brothers, again, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father in lights. He doesn't change. He's brought us forth by the truth of his word and we're the first fruits of his creatures. James wants to close this section by reminding us that when we go through trials, we're lost in them. God is good. He doesn't change. And all of what we're going through is in some way a gift. It is some way a gift. God is at work through your trial. He's at work through you being lost. The gift might be this. David gets laid off from his job, but now he has time. He has time to seek out the Lord. That's a gift, that time. The gift might be my own sanctification. You know, the music, the car, the conversation on, that was overheard on Zoom. And that sanctifies me. The gift might be the rug pull. You know, uh, those of you that have investments, the market has been, the stock market has been tanking. For the past two months. And I was looking at our IRA and I was like, yeah, like everyone else in the stock market, things are like going south. But then I was like, but that's okay. Because this doesn't define me. If you know what I'm talking about, does that define you right now? Does the fact that your money's going up or down define you? And I said, you know, it's just a material thing. It doesn't define me. Okay. It's all going to pass away in the end. Sometimes the gift is we take the trial that we've gone through and we now have a testimony. We now have a testimony that we can share with others for their good. And there's something healing about that. Sometimes the gift is we go through the trial and God is actually rug pulling us or he's redirecting us or he's disciplining us. Why? Because he knows if we continue on that path, we're going to get into something worse. We're going to get into something where he wants to else to avoid it. Sometimes the gift is God is saying, no, no, I have something far better for you. Far better for you. And that is the gift. All right. So this morning, lost trials, finding joy in them. Uh, we're going to close. I'm going to have the worship team come forward or Garen come forward. And um, you have a card. Underneath your chair, you have a pen. I want you to take that. And as we close in worship right now, I want you to take your pen. I want you to take your card. And I want you to write a prayer out to God. We put the cross in the center right here. I want you to say, Lord, I'm lost in this way. I'm lost and you fill in the blank. I am lost. Lord, I am lost. I want you to start it that way. And then you fill in the blank. And I want you to think about being in community with the brothers. I want you to think about the Lord persevering with you. And that's why you can find joy. I want you to think about asking God for wisdom. I want you to think about um, reminding yourself 
that there's an urgency to your life and life is passing away. I want you to remind yourself of an area that you need to take responsibility for your own evil and for your own repentance. I want you to remind yourself of we have a good God who's a good father and whose gift to you can be manifest in any number of ways during this time of trial. I want you to place your confidence in God amidst being lost. I want you to write out that prayer. When you're ready, go ahead and bring it to the cross. And you can say a prayer there. And that'll be our offering unto the Lord here today. guys are writing this um, this is your prayer unto the Lord and as we close in worship bring it to the cross Christ has covered this and Christ makes possible all things through his life in you
And these are our prayers that are an offering unto the Lord. The Lord hears this. The Lord knows the cry of your heart. And as James says, he is our good heavenly father. Believe that. You have a good heavenly father who's going to walk with you while you're lost, while you're in the trial. Nobody is going to read these other than you who wrote it and the Lord who sees it. We're just going to throw them away at the end. It's just between you and the Lord. But I encourage you to share this with the body of Christ as well, on your own volition. Small group, maybe after the service, receive prayer. Let's stand together and let's close in worship now.